Greetings, this is Christopher Radiant Fire Radio, and we are back for more analysis of the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin. I want to pick this up tonight and kind of backtrack this a little bit because I think there's some things that Putin said that, you know, just kind of went over Tucker Carlson's head altogether. One of the things was, you know, it was kind of alluded to was that Russia was afraid of, of China growing. And what the reality is, is the United States does not understand how big China has gotten and does not understand that Russia is super trying to be a part of the, uh, the world economy. Vladimir Putin says a couple different times in a couple different ways that we wanted to, we wanted to play too. We, we have toys, we have gloves, we have bats, we have balls. We want to be a part of the game. But no one let them in. The United States didn't let them in. Europe didn't let them in. They just kind of shunned them saying, okay, you used to be bad, you used to be evil, so you must still be evil because you're still Russia. You still have the name of Russia. So we're not going to look at the fact that you have done a lot to change and reform your country. You've changed your economy from, from uh, communism to uh, capitalism. You've changed your, your theology. You've changed your viewpoint. So we're still in the West, the United States in particular, are going to ignore the good changes that you've made. And even though we've said we would accept you on the world stage, we said we would accept you as it as an equal partner here we are reaching out our hand to you and you're not accepting us you're not giving us any type of credibility any type of push to join the club and you're going to hear vladimir putin he says he says we're bourgeois just as you you know we we've changed we've done things to be just like you and still we cannot get accepted this is a key point, and I think that uh, Tucker missed, and I think the American people missed this too, because we're still in the mindset that Russia's bad, Russia's uh, government system is still trying to do things the old way, and they were not. They are not. And if you look at things today, and, and he's going to talk about this in this interview, I'm not sure if it's coming up now, but later on down the road, he's going to say, the United States put sanctions on us, made the rest of the world put sanctions on us, and we adapted. We don't, we're, we're not, you know, your sanctions hurt us in the beginning, but you also, while you, while you sanctioned us, you forced the other people to, to endure those sanctions, and they didn't want to do that. So now we've adapted, we switched, and 34% of the economy is using Russian rubles. The other 34% is using the yens, and nobody's using the dollar. We have effectively put ourselves in a hole, and the United States, the American people, have no idea what this is. Let's, let's get into this, because this is, this is very, very important. And the part that I'm going to start with is he's having this discussion with Tucker about wanting to be a part of what's going on, and we... We just did not allow it to happen. 
will be a little bit of overlap from last. I think this is important. Be there. I do. But Russia could not help raising its voice in support of Serbs, because Serbs are also a special and close to us nation, with Orthodox culture and so on. It's a nation that has suffered so much for generations. Well, regardless, what is important is that Yeltsin expressed his support. What did the United States do? In violation of international law and the UN Charter, it started bombing Belgrade. It was the United States that led the genie out of the bottle. Moreover, when Russia protested and expressed its resentment, what was said? The UN Charter and international law have become obsolete. Now everyone invokes international law, but at that time they started saying that everything was outdated. Everything had to be changed. So Putin is calling us out for our double standard. We're saying that, you know, we're, we're holding up righteousness and we're going to go in and protect the Serbs and we're going to go in. Now the Serbs were Russia's friends and this is the part that he said and we talked about this last time. No, we didn't talk about this last time. The Serbs were Russia's friends. And Russia said, despite our allegiances with them, despite our cooperation with them, we told the United States, go ahead and do what you got to do. Because again, their, their mindset, their thought process was, okay, well, maybe this will be the doorway for you to see that, you know, we're willing to do anything to come in and be a part of this economic system, you know, that the United States is a part of. And they still got slapped in the face. And eventually Russia had to go back and honor its word to Serbia in the, in, the, um, in the country there. But no matter what they did, they were not ever going to be accepted. Indeed, some things need to be changed, as the balance of power has changed. It's true, but not in this manner. Yeltsin was immediately dragged through the mud, accused of alcoholism of understanding nothing, of knowing nothing. He understood everything, I assure you. Well, I became president in 2000. I thought, okay, the Yugoslav issue is over, but we should try to restore relations. Here he is again. He's saying we want to be a part of the club. We want to be a part of the family. Listen. Russia. Let's reopen the door that Russia had tried to go through. And moreover, I said it publicly, I can reiterate. At a meeting here in the Kremlin with the outgoing President Bill Clinton, right here in the next room, I said to him, I asked him, Bill, do you think if Russia asked to join NATO, do you think it would happen? Suddenly he said, you know, it's interesting, I think so. But in the evening when we met... So do you understand what he's saying? Again, this is Russia saying, we've changed. We've done everything in our power to do the things that you want us to do. Let us become a part of NATO. We're a nation. We're here in this region. We've contributed to society in good, positive ways. Bill Clinton at the time because he didn't he didn't know what the the thought processes were going to be said that sounds like a good idea let's you know let's kick this around let's talk to all the people involved and let's see what happens listen to this for dinner he said you know i've talked to my team no no it's not possible now. You can ask him. I think he will watch our interview. He'll confirm it. Did you hear that? We said no. 
we said no, and we also had the other NATO nations say no. Where Where is the journalistic interviewing style from Tucker Carlson? Does he even understand what's being said? Just, just by the expression on his face, he is lost. He has no idea what's going on. And this is sad. I wouldn't have said anything like that if it hadn't happened. Okay. Were you well, sincere? It's impossible now. So, Tucker Carlson, as lost as he is, asked Vladimir Putin, was he sincere? Putin got mad, but he did not let his emotions keep him from answering the question. Why would you ask if he was sincere? And here's, here's, here's what he said. Listen. Would you have joined NATO? Look, I asked the question, is it possible or not? And the answer I got was no. If I was insincere in my desire to find out what the leadership position was... But if he had said yes, would you have joined NATO? So Tucker doubles down again. D doubles down again. What, what kind of question is this, Tucker? What are you doing? He just told you he wanted to be a part. His country wants to be a part. Would you really have done it? Who, who asks these kinds of questions? You can see his face. See Putin's face. Look at, look at that. He's not happy. He's, he, and, and he's really restraining himself. If he had said yes, the process of rapprochement would have commenced, and eventually it might have happened, if we had seen some sincere wish on the other side of our partners. But it didn't happen. Well, no means no. Okay, fine. Why do you think that is? Just to get to motive, I know you're clearly bitter about it, um, I understand. But why do you think the West... <sighs> bitter? You're cl you're cl that's all you can come up with? He's bitter? <sighs> Rebuffed you then? Why the hostility? Why did the end of the Cold War not fix the relationship? I mean, what motivates this from your point of view? You said I was bitter about the answer. No, it's not bitterness. It's just a statement of fact. We're not bride and groom, bitterness, resentment. It's not about those kind of matters in such circumstances. We just realized we weren't welcome there, that's all. Did you hear that? We were not welcomed into the world stage. We've, we've lost our country. We've lost our economy. Our people are starving. We're asking you for help. We're saying we want to we want to have the same benefits that capitalism has provided for you. Teach us, show us, help us, we, give us, point us in the right direction. Nope. Nope. This is only for us. Can't ever be for you. Okay, fine. But let's build relations in another manner. Let's work for common ground elsewhere. 
Why we received such a negative response, you should ask your leaders. I can only guess why. Too big a country with its own opinion and so on. And the United States, I've seen how issues are being resolved in NATO. I will give you another example now concerning Ukraine. The US leadership exerts pressure, and all NATO members obediently vote, even if they do not like something. Now, I'll tell you what happened in this regard with Ukraine in 2008, although it's being discussed. I'm not going to open a secret to you, say anything new. Nevertheless, after that we tried to build relations in different ways. For example, the events in the Middle East, in Iraq. We were building relations with the United States in a very soft, prudent, cautious manner. I repeatedly raised the issue that the United States should not support separatism or terrorism in the North Caucasus. But they continue to do it anyway. And political support, information support, financial support, even military support came from the United States and its satellites for terrorist groups in the Caucasus. I once raised this issue with my colleague, also the President of the United States. He says, it's impossible, do you have proof? I said, yes. I was prepared for this conversation, and I gave him that proof. He looked at it, and you know what he said? I apologize, but that's what happened. I'll quote. He says, well, I'm gonna kick their ass. We waited and waited for some response. There was no reply. So do you understand what's going on here? I want to I want to paint this picture even clearer than what he said. It. The caucuses was having terrorist activities. Guess who was supporting those terrorist activities? The United States. Vladimir Putin saying, hey, you, you guys are making a grave mistake because this is going to come back to bite you. It's going to bite you hard. Do you understand what he's saying? What, what wars and what battles are we fighting right now? What are we fighting right now? So let me give you some detail about the caucuses. I'm going to read you something that I found from the Brookings Institute. And this is way back when. This is June 1st, 2002 by Fiona Hill. And I will post a link in the description here so you can see where I got this from. But this talks about Russia trying very hard to develop a relationship with then President George Bush, which he just said, he just said in this interview, he's, he's trying to uh, develop some type of bond, some type of friendship with them, and he's trying to express his concerns about the caucuses, which are Afghanistan. We just got finished abandoning Afghanistan in a, in a war. Biden, oh, all right, I'm not going to go there. Listen, listen to this. From the beginning of his presidency in January 2000, Putin pushed the idea of a concerted campaign against terrorism with America and Europe, European leaders. Putin was one of the first to raise the alarm about terrorist training camps in Afghanistan and to warn of linkages 
between these camps, well-financed terrorist networks, and Islamic militant groups operating in Europe and Eurasia. Russia also actively supported the Northern Alliance in its struggle with the Taliban in Afghanistan. In December 2000, Moscow joined Washington in supporting United Nations sanctions against the Taliban and later appealed for supporting United Nations sanctions against the Taliban, sorry, and later appealed for sanctions against Pakistan for aiding the Taliban. After the attacks on the United States, Putin went so far as to suggest he had been expecting a massive terrorist strike. It had only been a matter of time. The events of September 11th were a shock, but not a surprise. Putin's support for Bush was consistent with his efforts to draw world attention to the terrorist threat. Listen to this. The terrorist attacks also came at a time when Putin was trying to improve Russia's relationships with the United States. Come on, y'all. After a rocky start with Bush administration, Putin had worked hard to build a personal affinity with Bush, remove the sense of confrontation, underscore that the Cold War was finally over, and find some mechanism for transcending differences. After September 11th, it seemed that the war against terrorism could be just that mechanism. Russia and the United States had finally had common ground. We, some of the things that we went through, some of the troops that died in Afghanistan, some of the, the troops that died in Iraq didn't have to die didn't have to die. This is what he's talking about when he's telling Tucker with his dumb silly grin on his face. His silly grin on his face. He doesn't understand the, the deeper concepts of what's going on. One last thing. Russia's discussions of the threat of terrorism quickly become muddied with concerns about religious extremism banditry and criminality, frequently used in conjunction with the Chechens, general social disorder, and the rupture of national unity. Russians see the state as under attack not from outside but from the inside. In the 1990s, political instability and increasing poverty and inequality in Russia and Eurasia provided a fertile ground for the germination of radical groups in the infiltration of foreign Islamic networks. The revival of Islam after the collapse of the USSR attracted funding from the Middle East and Asia for new mosques, religious schools, and cultural programs. Violent secessionist conflicts in the South Caucasus, civil war in Tajikistan, and two wars in Chechnya also drew funding, but for weapons and military training. The conflicts also brought religious fighters from other wars as both casualties and economic, political, and social problems mounted. Disaffected Muslim groups in Eurasia became increasingly radicalized. This is what he tried. He tried to warn us. He tried to help us. He tried to get us to see. This is going to be a problem. This is going to be a problem. 
Putin and Russian policymakers saw religious conflict as a serious threat to the state. The conflict is not between confessions, but within one faith, Islam, which is an officially recognized Russian religion. Russia's estimated 20 million Muslims, a much disputed figure, have centuries-old roots, although the 1990s religious revival produced recent converts. So here, I've said this before, I've talked about this before, Russia had a revival in the 90s, a revival back towards Christianity. This revival caused them to see the truth about these different religions that were going on in the world, and especially Islam. And they were very deeply concerned about how these things were going to affect the entire world. Did dark United States listen? No, we didn't. We didn't pay any attention whatsoever. And, and here we are today, trying to fight this battle. So this is what he's talking about when he's talking about the Caucasus. Let's continue on with Tucker Carlson. I said to the FSB director, write to the CIA, what is the result of the conversation with President? He wrote once, twice, and then we got a reply. We have the answer in the archive. The CIA replied, we have been working with the opposition in Russia, we believe that this is the right thing to do, and we will keep on doing it. Just ridiculous. Well, okay, we realized that it was out of the question. Forces in opposition to you. So you're saying the CIA is trying to overthrow your government. Of course, they meant in that particular case the separatists, the terrorists who fought with us in the Caucasus. That's who they called the opposition. This is the second point. The third moment is a very important one. It's the moment when the U.S. missile defense system was created. The beginning. We persuaded for a long time not to do it in the United States. Moreover, after was invited by Bush Jr.'s father, Bush Sr., to visit his place on the ocean, I had a very serious conversation with President Bush and his team. I proposed that the United States, Russia and Europe jointly create a missile defense system that we believe, if created unilaterally, threatens our security, despite the fact that the United States officially said that it was being created against missile threats from Iran. That was the justification for the deployment of the missile defense system. I suggested working together, Russia, the United States and Europe. Do you understand how much Russia changed? Do you understand how much Russia wanted to be friends with us? This wasn't a trick. This wasn't deceit. This was a true, genuine need to try to rid the world of anything that was evil. And we said no. So whose interest would it have been in for us to... Did you ever hear this as you were growing up? Did you ever hear that Russia wanted to, to do something jointly to protect all of the citizens of the United States, 
all of the citizens of Europe never heard this before. Never seen this before. These things have been kept from us on purpose to try to keep us in this narrative and this mindset that rushes the devil. You got to understand one thing. Things have changed. They have flipped around. And there's a lot more at stake than what, what has been for a long time. And if you don't understand this, this is a spiritual battle that has been taking place. And this spiritual battle is between light, it's between darkness. And because of the things that have been going on for years, uh, this was 2000, this has been 24 years of Russia saying, hey, we want to we help. Not for any ill motive, not for any Trojan horse style type attack. We're serious. We see the threat that terrorism causes. We see the threat that radical religions and separatist religions cause. But no, we took this and turned this around on them and started the, the, the things that Russia was concerned about with these radical groups that were inside of them, we started funding them. We started giving them money because our mindset was if we give them money, they can take Russia out and they can destroy Russia. Why? What was the point and the purpose of us destroying Russia? Russia's saying we want to help. Russia's saying we want to be on, on your side. And let me let me get something historically here because if I remember correctly, Russia fought on the side of the United States in both world wars. Hold on for a second. I, I'm gonna I'm dig this up too because this needs to be said. Uh, I knew it. I knew it, and I and I remember saying this. Russia was an ally to the United States in World War One and World War Two. In World War I and World War II, Russia was an ally. The allies for, for World War I, Russia sided immediately with Britain, France, and Serbia against Germany and Austria, Hungary, Hungary when World War I began in 1914. The United States did not join the war until 1917, but did supply the Russians and other allies with war material. World War II. The allies formerly referred to the United Nations from 1942 were an international military coalition formed during World War II, 1939 to 1945, to oppose the Axis powers. The principal members by the end of 1941 were the Big Four the United Kingdom, United States, Soviet Union, and China. Where, where or where do we get this mindset that Russia's the devil and the United States is God? Where? I, I really want you to think about this and see where we don't know our own history. We don't know our own history when it comes to things going on in the world. We believe our dumb media. We believe the journalists. And 
God forbid we believe Tucker Carlson. Do you understand what I'm trying to trying to show you by analyzing this interview? The the mindset of Tucker Carlson is completely off. Let's listen at some more of what Putin has to say. They said it was very interesting. They asked me, are you serious? I said, absolutely. Let me ask, what year was this? I don't remember. It is easy to find out on the internet when I was in the USA at the invitation. Tucker. You're missing the whole point. You just... ...of a Bush senior. It is even easier to learn from someone I'm going to tell you about. I was told it was very interesting. I said, just imagine if we could tackle such a global strategic security challenge together. The world will change. We'll probably have disputes, probably economic and even political ones, but we could drastically change the situation in the world. He says yes, and asks, are you serious? I said, of course, we need to think about it, I'm told. I said, go ahead, please. Then Secretary of Defense Gates, former director of CIA and Secretary of State Rice came in here, in this cabinet, right here at this table. They sat on this table. Me, the foreign minister, the Russian defense minister on that side, they said to me, Yes, we have thought about it. We agree. I said, thank God, great, but with some exceptions. So twice you've described U.S. presidents making decisions and then being undercut by their agency heads. So it sounds like you're describing a system that's not run by the people who are elected in your telling. That's right, that's right. In the end, they just told us to get lost. I'm not going to tell you the details because I think it's incorrect. After all, it was confidential conversation. But our proposal was declined, that's a fact. It was right then when I said, look, but then we will be forced to take countermeasures. We will create such strike systems that will certainly overcome missile defense systems. The answer was, we are not doing this against you, and you do what you want, assuming that it is not against us, not against the United States. I said. So, do you understand what he's saying? Going back to the original thing. Hey, Europe, United States, let's develop some weapon systems that can be used jointly to work against terrorism and terrorist activities and terrorist threats. And the United States said, no, we're not going to do that. We're not, we're not going to share any information. We're not going to do anything joint. Because you got to realize, when, you, when you're dealing, and I think Russia has seen this, when you're dealing with these more radical forms of, of Islam and these more radical forms it, out there in, in, the, in the world, they're hard to combat. Again, going, going back to what he said in the history, we talked about this in part two, Genghis Khan, he was okay with having all of these different religions be together and tied together. But it got to the point where they started, Russia started losing its identity. Russia started being enveloped and being swallowed up 
and they didn't want that. They didn't want that. So again, forward thinking, Russia's trying to, to prevent this from happening again. And they're also smart enough to realize, hey, this isn't this didn't just affect us, it's gonna affect everybody. Why don't we work together? And we said no. No. You you work on stuff to protect you and we'll work on stuff to protect us. It was the answer that he got. Okay. Very well. That's the way it went. And we created hypersonic systems with intercontinental range, and we continue to develop them. We are now ahead of everyone, the United States and the other countries, in terms of the development of hypersonic strike systems, and we are improving them every day. But it wasn't us. We proposed to go the other way, and we were pushed back. We were pushed out. We're pushed out. What is one of the major things that's going on with the education system in the United States? We have dumbed ourselves down to, to nothing. What are math and sciences about right now? We barely have people who can count change at your drive through at your stores they're relying upon the computer to, to tell them to change and if you if you give them change trying to make change they get all befuddled and confused education is difference here in the united states versus in russia versus in china what are we setting ourselves up for now, about NATO's expansion to the east. Well, we were promised no NATO to the east, not an inch to the east, as we were told. And then what? They said, well, it's not enshrined on paper, so we'll expand. So there were five waves of expansion, the Baltic states, the whole of Eastern Europe, and so on. And now I come to the main thing. They have come to the Ukraine, ultimately. In 2008, at the summit in Bucharest, they declared that the doors for Ukraine and Georgia to join NATO were open. Now about how decisions are made there. Germany, France seem to be against it, as well as some other European countries. But then, as it turned out, later President Bush, and he's such a tough guy, a tough politician, as I was told later, he exerted pressure on us and we had to agree. It's ridiculous, it's like kindergarten. Where are the guarantees? What kindergarten is this? What kind of people are these? Who are they? You see, they were pressed, they agreed. And then they say, Ukraine won't be in the NATO, you know? I say, I don't know. I know you agreed in 2008. Why won't you agree in the future? Well, they pressed us then. I say, why won't they press you tomorrow? And you'll agree again. Well, it's nonsensical. Who's there to talk to? I just don't understand. We're ready to talk. But with whom? Where are the guarantees? None. So they started to develop the territory of Ukraine. Whatever is there, I have told you the background, how this territory developed, what kind of relations there were with Russia. 
Every second or third person there has always had some ties with Russia. Yes. And during the elections in already independent, sovereign Ukraine, which gained its independence as a result of the Declaration of Independence, and by the way, it says that Ukraine is a neutral state, and in 2008, suddenly the doors or gates to NATO were open to it. Oh, come on. You hear what he's saying? Do you understand what he's saying? He was promised, Russia was promised, that Ukraine would not be a part of NATO. So, he's been denied access to NATO, wanted to be a part of it. The country that's bordering his country is now going to be a part of NATO. And he, he's gotten assurances and promises from different presidents down throughout the year saying this would never happen and we were not going to allow this to happen. So this brings us up to 2008. This brings us up to this. So, you know, fast forward into 2022. The bully of the United States. We're saying, hey, we we have to do something about this. We have to help Ukraine. But you're you're missing the whole point of what this is about. And I believe Vladimir Putin has been stating this in a plain and a concise way. And we just we have to do better. We have to do better. I'm going to cut it off for here. This has been a good discussion. I uh, hope I'm making sense. You can comment, write comments, write questions in the uh, in the comment section, and, and we'll try to uh, further dissect this Tucker Carlson interview. Thanks for listening. This is Christopher of Radiant Fire Radio, and we're going to continue on with this journey into the future. We're committed to excellence and truth as we conduct spiritual overwatch for your soul. We're committed to bringing the whole gospel to you. Simple truths, given with intellectual integrity, far better than Fox News and CNN combined. Please feel free to contact us with questions, comments, concerns at ChristopherRadiantFire.org. Like us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Amazon, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and more. Until next time. That was your Overwatch, Einstein. You can thank him later.